welcome to the Prescription Podcast. On this show, we present to you up-to-date facts on medical-related topics. We are your hosts. I'm Ian, a surgeon. I'm Zichin, a gastroenterologist. We're both practicing in Kuala Lumpur. We are on Apple and Spotify Podcasts. Please follow us for updates on new episodes. This podcast was created with the intent of creating awareness on current health issues in the public. Please do still consult your doctor if you have doubts. Alright, we are still on Season 3 today and we are on Episode number five today we're going to be talking about benign prostate hyperplasia well basically uh, an enlarged prostate and we're welcoming back dr lim lee uh, urologist in hospital chancellor tunku mukris uh, following up from a previous topic welcome back lim thank you so much thanks for having me today i think we are very focused towards the male patients uh, actually not just male patients more towards the older male patients i guess all males will eventually come to this enlarged prostate uh, yeah. Is this is this something that all men will eventually have to go through? Well, big prostate is a very common problem for elderly men. If you look at the prevalence, probably around 30% to 40% of men over 50 years old will suffer from it. Mm. As the age increases, the prevalence increases. Mm-hmm. So by the time you're over 85 years old, probably around 90% of the people will have it. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow! Wow! That's almost all. So that's okay. almost everyone. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, so is that a natural process, or is there any genetic predisposition or any um anything related to that that causes Bas- all men to almost you know get it by the age of eighty? Well, basically, it's a mixture of reasons. I think as you grow, your prostate has more time to expose to the male hormone, then the prostate grows bigger over time. But uh, certain factors do actually increase your risk of uh, having a big prostate, family history. Some actually mention about smoking and alcohol. Those are equivalent. Mm. Uh, obesity is another one that people have mentioned. Oh, wow. Really? Okay. Yep. Obesity seems to be have hands in everything, I think. Yeah, most of the yeah. things. Most of the things, yeah. Hmm. So, um, do younger men get um, uh, uh, enlarged prostate? Rather, what's the cutoff age, I guess, when you start probably noticing patients with enlarged prostate? There's no cutoff age, though. I think the main hmm. reason is that um, the symptoms of a big prostate is not exclusively for this disease. There are right. many other diseases can give you, well, even some lifestyle reason, you can actually get similar symptoms. So the younger patient who have these symptoms, I think some of them are truly having a big prostate. Some of them are not. Mm, I mm. see. You mentioned about symptoms. Do you want to elaborate more on what are the common symptoms that um, they will encounter? Okay, so many patients with big prostate, they are completely without symptoms. But if they do get symptoms, some of them, the most common complaint tends to be poor urine stream. Some of them find it a bit difficult to pass urine. They need to strain or need to wait before they start voiding. Mm. Um, after they void, they feel that they cannot empty their bladder completely. They get a bit of dribble at the end. Yep. Uh, some patients actually get some frequency, where it may be daytime or nighttime where they have to wake up to pee. And then they find it difficult to control their urine. They have the sense of urgency. It means that once they feel that they want to pass urine, they need to rush to the toilet immediately. Yeah, but usually you correlate this with... These symptoms are quite general, right? So someone who's young might have it as well. But most of the time when you see it in an older patient, that's when you think of an enlarged prostate, correct? Yes, I think as the age increase, an enlarged prostate is more likely to be. But uh, having to say so... 
elderly have many diseases that can affect the bladder function and can give Correct. you quite similar symptoms as well. Correct. So the, the, I mean, the point from that is, you know, if you do have any symptoms, please see a, see a doctor and let them sort yeah. it out because it could be anything else and other than an enlarged prostate. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So usually in the early stage, you know, um, they tend not to have any symptoms, right? So yes. do we, since you said above 50, they start to have this enlarged prostate, do you routinely screen Nope. If you're without symptoms, you don't actually have to treat. Yeah. I always like to give the analogy of white hair. As you grow mm. older, you will get more and more white hair. Right. Not everyone are being bothered by the white hair. But it's if true. you do, then we treat. If you really can't take it, we can shave it. But even if you shave it, it's going to grow again. Yeah. So same would actually apply for prostate though. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't see us now, but I was shaking my head because maybe, Lim, you want to explain to people how they screen for an enlarged prostate? Well, there are many ways. I think first, actually, we go through the symptoms. We yep. have some common questionnaire that roughly gives us an idea as to how severe your symptoms are. Mm -hmm. Then after that, we can get you to pee in a special machine mm -hmm. to see how fast your flow are, whether there's a possibility of other conditions as well. Mm. We can scan your bladder, scan your prostate to assess the size and see whether you have any urine left over after you have pee. Yep. Then uh, after that, on top of it, we can actually screen for prostate cancer as well. Yep. If uh, we think that you may be at risk on top of it. Mm. But I think commonly, a lot of times with the questionnaire, I mean, maybe a urologist would do the questionnaire and all those other things that you have mentioned. But I think generally, if it's screened by a regular doctor, uh, it would be history and probably a physical examination. Uh, yeah. Just by putting your finger into a rectum and check the prostate size, we more or less know what are the size of the prostate, whether there's any abnormal growth or not. But it not necessarily tell. I mean, it doesn't really necessarily tell us that the, those symptoms that the person mm. is having is definitely from the big prostate, because yeah. symptom doesn't necessarily correlate with size. Some yep. people have huge prostate; they don't feel much. Some people have tiny prostate, but they felt it really badly. Yep. Yeah, I think it's just a stigma with uh, physical examination. And in my experience, I think people don't really like the physical examination part. But I think it's also necessary in this case, as you've mentioned, to look for prostate cancer. Yep. I personally encounter a lot of uh, my patients who come with, after their health screen, they always get an ultrasound abdomen mm. and the prostate will be measured. Okay. Mm. And the report yep. will be enlarged prostate then you go back and dig on the history they have no symptoms and you can tell them to watch that's what i usually do but then there's a lot of anxiety created in the patient when do we ask them to see you so when i personally when i encounter that i've said okay then go for a second opinion you know with the urologist would that burden you guys i think well the good thing for us, we have more business. But uh, <laughs> joke aside, I mean, ultrasound abdomen, unfortunately, is not a very good modality to assess the size of the prostate. To accurately measure and assess the prostate, we need to do a transrectal ultrasound. It means that we need to put an ultrasound probe into the rectum to check the prostate. So the accuracy is quite low with the abdominal ultrasound. That's one. Mm. Number two is that um, if the patient is asymptomatic, the patient doesn't need a treatment. But having to say so... I think we need to assess, see whether the patient has any risk for prostate cancer. Because if the patient do have risk of prostate cancer, they may be interested for prostate cancer screening. 
And in those situations, then they need to be evaluated by us and then uh, to see whether what are, what are the tests that need to be carried out for that. Mm. Mm, I see. Maybe we'll leave prostate cancer to the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, I think that's a very good point. You know, um, can never always assume the yeah. enlargement uh, can always be something else. Um, uh, of course, uh, whenever in doubt, I think it's best to uh, refer up to the expert. Yep. Mm. Yeah, I think what I'd like to point out is as well is what's common is, you know, a lot of people Google symptoms um, and, you know, they <laughs> immediately, you know, identify themselves with such and such a symptoms. So a lot of times patients come to us and say like, hey, you know, I think prostate's enlarged. I've been taking such and such medication, if you would say, to help it. Mm-hmm. Does it help? I mean, this leads to the question, right? Is there anything... I guess people like to know that you can take naturally or not just food or substances, but anything else you can do basically to reduce the incidence of having an enlarged prostate. Unfortunately, no though. I mean, hmm. there are some supplements that are marketed around for big prostate, but so far I think there's no evidence for it. Hmm. Previously, people tend to have a lot of interest in uh, vitamin E and selenium, yep. but it hasn't proved to be working as well. Hmm. Okay, well, that, that's good to know. Um, the other thing <laughs> I saw someone put up that day, I, I didn't go and look it up, uh, didn't have the time or the interest. But um, yeah, someone was actually putting up and encouraging people to have intimate relationships because the more you have it, the less likely you have enlarged prostate. Now, myth or fact? Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's something <laughs> that we will ever know. It's not something that you can put into a study and show whether it is... Well, I mean, usually it's a cross-sectional study or something, right? But okay, I mean, let's not get there. So if that's not something that you have studied in your exam, then I guess it's probably <laughs> not true. Okay, I'll tell the next person who puts it up on Facebook that... Well, no. and I think it is still... Lifestyle is still very important and then sexual life is a very important part of life as well. You shouldn't actually avoid that just that just to prevent a disease that you may or may not have it. Oh, no. This one says that the more, the more you have it. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, having said that, you know, exercise, otherwise, no, nothing. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So So you basically can't prevent it at all. Stop right? aging, stop no. aging, but, and then, don't reach But the age. thing is that when you have symptoms of uh, big prostate, mm. sometimes you can actually control the symptoms mm. by just mm. having some simple lifestyle modifications. Right. So, for example, I, I think a lot of patients are bothered by symptoms such as peeing at the night or uh, frequency or urgency. I think these are certain things just by some simple fluid restriction, you can actually avoid this problem. So mm. for example, if you know that you have to wake up twice at night to pee, perhaps you just try to restrict water two hours beforehand. Mm. Or if you know that I have urgency, so before you're about to go out or you're about to travel, a few mm. hours before that you're trying to restrict your fluid, these are certain ways just to adjust your fluid according to your lifestyle and just to minimize your symptoms and make sure that you have a better quality of life. Mm. So would you say that you know your patients come to you if it's not, that severe of symptoms, you would try these modifications in the lifestyle first? Yep. Okay. I think so long as with simple modification, if they're happy with the symptoms, technically, they don't have to start any medication at all. Sometimes yeah. it's teaching them to adapt, right? Yep. It's a, I think it's going to be a part and parcel of life. Mm, yep. Agree. 
Okay. But sometimes you just have to understand that's the progress of it. Yeah, it's a process that they have they have to go through, and sometimes by adapting it, um, could somewhat change or 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 um, con- make uh, control the the symptoms and the discomfort that they have. Okay. Yeah. So you mentioned medication. So I guess that's the next step. So what what are the treatment? that can be offered to patients with an enlarged prostate? So nowadays, there are many options available. Mm-hmm. So we start by just lifestyle and dietary changes. Yep. Then after that, it doesn't work, then we can go with oral medications. We have about three main groups of oral medication that we can prescribe depending on their uh, comorbidities as well as their sexual habit as well. Mm. Then if medication doesn't work well, then or if they start having complications from this big prostate, then surgery would be next. Mm. Now, this surgery comes in many forms. Uh, it comes from shaving the prostate to using either with uh, what we call as a bipolar or monopolar, means that we burn, uh, we actually shave it with some energy devices or we can mm-hmm. use laser to burn them. Mm-hmm. And then to some newer technology that are available that we can put things like some different tackers, uh, we can vaporize it with heat. Mm. Uh, so, options are quite a lot. So okay. the principle behind it is to make it smaller, correct? Uh, the principle of it is to create a passage. So That's prostate, the yeah. So prostate actually wrap around the urine passage. So yeah. you're trying to make the passage a little bit bigger. Bigger tunnel. Mm. Yeah. yeah. The okay. medication, there's two, right? So one is to relax the muscle. The other one, well, basically shrinks the, the prostate as well. Yeah. yeah. So if they were to take the medication and... Um, do not have to go through surgery or not keen for surgery, are those medications for life or for long-term, indefinite? Uh, more or less, yes. So I think we will start the medication because you are symptomatic to start out with. Mm. So medication actually only lasts in the body for around 24 hours. I mean, the half-life is about 24 hours. So if you stop taking it, the medication effect wind off, then it means that you're going to have the symptoms again. Though. I think, if I'm not mistaken, even after surgery, usually patients may still need medication. Or did I yeah. remember that wrongly? They yeah, do, right? Correct. Definitely correct. At about I think the average number is about ten percent to twelve percent of the patient will require some form of operation in about ten to twelve uh, in about ten years time. Mm. So we are talking around slightly over one percent a year that patient needed another interventions. Mm. Mm. Okay. Uh, sorry. How how long before they have a reintervention again? In within so the general number is about ten percent in ten years that they need another surgery. Yeah. Okay. Ten percent, ten years. But you, the patient may need a repeat, a repeat. I mean, may need to restart medication years to come because prostate do grow back. Ah, that's where you use your white hair theory. So it yes. does come back. It's not um, it's not a cure, right? It's just to create a passage and at least to <clears throat> give you a little bit of holiday on medication. Yeah, that you do I not think that have is to a take very, medicine. Yeah. yeah, that's a good discussion. Mm. Okay, because I think um, a lot of people are actually very concerned about the side effect if we were to take to take something for a very long term. Mm. Um, so since we're here, I mean, what are the common side effects or what are the usual um, uh, points that you would want to highlight to the patient if you were to put them on the medication? So uh, we have one group of medication which are called the alpha blocker. This group of the medication do actually drop the blood pressure. I mean, although we have some newer medication that affect the blood pressure less, 
but it can actually affect the blood pressure. So that's one. Another side effect that some patients may not like it is that they do get a bit of an ejaculation. Means that they realize that when they're having sexual intercourse, they seem to realize the semen doesn't want to come out. Mm. Incident not high, but the thing is that some patients who got it, they really find it very bothersome and we need to actually change the drug. Mm. The other group of the drug, side effect is a little bit lower, mainly also due with ejaculations, but systemic effect in terms of uh, those medications are very low. Mm. I see. So it's pretty much a very safe uh, uh, treatment to go through, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I mean, it's not as broad a topic, but I think it's pretty common. What when is prostate month again? November is it? Oh, actually, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's November because I remember Mo- Movember people wear, grow their mustache and that kind of stuff. But we're far away from November. Um, yeah, there's actually a, a prostate awareness month, more for prostate cancer, not so much of enlarged prostate. But yep, I think um, yeah, we went through pretty much. I think prostate is something unfortunately every man has to go through it's good to know what are the symptoms as we have gone through and i think more importantly is you know if you do have something that is and i think we've we've mentioned this countless times over in our podcast that if you uh, encounter something that's different about your body you've noticed there's some changes you know you should always get a doctor to check it out and i think the appropriate investigations and referral to the appropriate doctor will be done and I think from there, you can discuss about treatment and, and so on and so forth. I think what we are trying to share here is just to just enlighten everyone. Uh, what are the possibilities if you do encounter this? And uh, hopefully we can prepare you a little bit better. At least I know I'm prepared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Soon to come in. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I think um, it's a very comprehensive topic that we've actually revealed. Common problem that almost every man will encounter. Hmm. Um, is there any, um, before we come to an end and before we close, is there any advice um, that Dr. Lim would, would want to share? I think the main thing I want to tell is that um, I think there are many reasons why you can have all these symptoms. And hmm. uh, when you have these symptoms, it doesn't mean that you have a big prostate. Yeah. So if you do experience these symptoms, Let's get us check it out and make sure that there's nothing more cynical than having a big prostate. Mm. Then I think at least you can find some comfort in knowing that you are not having something nasty or a mm. cancer or things like that. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So thank you, Lim. Thank you for coming on board today. Uh, thank you. We'll come to an end. Thank you for listening in. If you have any question, please do email us at prescriptionpod, P R E S C R I P T I O N P O D, at gmail.com. With that, see you. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.